Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Pop Culture, the podcast that brings soft drinks to the top of the menu. My name is Helen O'Hara. I'm usually a film journalist and author. And with me as ever is... Oh, hello. It's me, Kat Brown. I haven't got a piffy elevator pitch yet. I should probably work on that. Also a journalist and author, so that's a good oh, start. Yeah. No, that's really helpful, Helen. Thank you very much for reminding me. Um, how are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. What are we drinking today? We are drinking a non-alcoholic pineapple pina colada spritz from Caleno, which I'm just going to atmospherically see if I can open. Flipping heck. Oh, there we go. Oh. I came across this when I was working at Stylist a couple of weeks ago. And absolutely love this. And I said this as somebody who doesn't normally like sweet drinks mm. because I prefer to eat all my sugar. A Caleno is apparently a person from the city of Cali, Colombia. Mm. And this is a B Corp based in Bristol, set up in around 2019, I think, by Ellie Webb, who is a drinks industry veteran. And like a lot of people, whether they drink alcohol or not, wanted to find some sort of non-tedious things to drink on a night out, which I'm fairly sure both of us can, can very identify much with. Like to, yeah. What do you reckon to this, Helen? This is very nice. It does taste like dessert. Mm. I mean, I will say that straight up because the pineapple immediately is a very sweet flavour. And then the coconut hits you and there's a lovely richness on the mm. way down after. But light and bubbly at the same time. I'm, I'm enjoying this. this Me too. Nice. This is the sort of thing that I would almost drink as though it were a chocolate bar because you're right about that <laughs> richness. One of the things that I find irritating about soft drinks and some non-alcoholic drinks options is they can be very thin. Mm. If I want water, I will drink water. So I want something with just a bit more punch and depth to it. I could just dangerously go on with these. Just to let people know, we wanted to introduce ourselves a little bit and slightly set up what we're doing with this podcast. The idea is that both of us come at this from slightly different angles. While we spend a lot of our time today exchanging photos of soft drink menus that we have liked, that was not always the case. Kat used to drink and does no longer. I have never drunk and have never developed a sophisticated drinker's palate at all. So we're coming, I think, from different ends of this sort of non-drinking spectrum. 
neither of us have any problem with drinkers. Literally some of our best friends. Yes, it's fine. You're in a safe place. Indeed. So it's just about like what options are there for the nights when you don't want to drink. But just to sort of establish that and establish a framework of reference, we thought it'd be useful to sort of explain ourselves and where we're coming from. Some of you listening may have come across us both on other podcasts or things we've written or whatever else. You've talked, uh, you've written quite a lot very eloquently about your non-drinking cat. But in case people haven't, I thought we'd summarise it a little bit and give people an introduction to us. Oh God, that sounds terribly <laughs> egotistical when I say it that way. What age did you start drinking? Were you a sort of normal British teenager who starts drinking somewhere around, well, let's be honest, before 18? Obviously, nobody has ever done that and we all stick to the letter of the law. But the thing is, is that I moved from, I mean, the suburbs of London. It wasn't like I was ritzying around Hyde Park and Soho and stuff from a young age. But I moved to the countryside to a small village when I was nine and I won a bottle of sherry at the local village Tombola when I was 10. <laughs> and a school friend and I uh, went and drank it. I can just about cope with sherry now if it's in French onion soup, but it's it's never been high on my list of drinks as a result. Helen is looking utterly terrified, I'm, by I'm the way. Just, and I just, feel like that would really yeah. scar you for life. I mean, I've only sniffed sherry, mostly in my granny's trifle, but oof, that was enough for me. But it's also quite a sign of the times, isn't it? Very unlikely now if a kid wins something on a tombola that is wildly alcoholic. I should say, though, I was a very, very tall kid. Like, I was 6'1 by the time I was 13. I was literally moved up a year at school when I was seven because of my height which is just one of those weird 80s non-explanations for things but even so that sort of kicked it off when I was at school it was very normal if you were going out to not a youth club but underage night at a club to all get together and try and be grown up by drinking something beforehand and in the countryside that would usually either involve going to your parents stash of alcohol and trying to remove little centimetres from the bottles and stuffing it in a drinks bottle and topping it up with something revolting like orange cordial or something oh, which is just I don't think anything that I've drunk since apart from Mad Dog 2020 or something has been as revolting and yet compelling as what we called Merry Mix. At that time when I was growing up alcohol was just so normalised. Mm. It was just something that you did. Like we didn't have really online life, social media, anything like that. And so we were just all very much in our lives and our lives were really quite boring. So it was either smoking, drinking or lots and lots and lots of being incredibly tedious about what music we liked. And right. that was those were sort of like the, <laughs> the three keys the to growing up in the countryside. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I mean, it's seen as part of being an adult for a lot of people. This is seen as a marker of... Well, I said it myself in the intro of sophistication of being a grown up is liking alcohol and getting into alcohol. So as you as you go through into your kind of adult life, into university and beyond, this is how you try and fit in. Right. This is how you make yourself comfortable at social occasions and signal to the others that you are one of them. I think that's you've just hit so many nails on the head there. I felt very insecure throughout my teens, particularly and definitely in my 20s. Partly as a result of how I looked, as well as being incredibly tall, I had the biggest 90s crime of all, which is red hair, which as we know is completely unforgivable. A little part of me still has a, a mildly traumatic response whenever anybody says ginger. And alcohol was just such an easy way of just fitting in with the crowd or feeling relaxed, even though now as I have more distance from it, I'm just like, well, you could just have quite a lot of therapy and figure out how to walk around in the world feeling comfortable in your own skin. Obviously, it just was not a concept, certainly when I went to university and I was 17 when I went to university, again, because of that having been moved up a year and not having a gap year. 
So alcohol was just such an easy, easy leveller. Don't get me wrong, I really enjoyed it. It wasn't like I was just forcing whiskey down my throat. The quality of drinks in general, non-alcoholic and alcoholic, has improved in leaps and bounds over the like 23 years since I started at university. Mm. And there are just so many more options in general. It just makes everything a bit easier for people, yeah. I think. I feel like Jen said are just leaps and bounds ahead of us in in knowing who they are in the world and kind of feeling like they can find their tribe without necessarily having to go to a nightclub and search there amid the sticky floors oh, and sweating such walls. sticky floors the smoke just everything sm- my my mum for years thought that I smoked just because Whoa. after a night out I would come back smelling of smoke and she thought I was a secret smoker that was the atmosphere in those clubs at that time it's crackers to think that it's only within the last 15 years that that has stopped a huge yes to the younger generations having the confidence to say no to be able to explore who they are without having to get absolutely out of their skulls. So tell me about the decision to then quit drinking. You've, you've sort of said in the past, it essentially stopped being fun and you decided, you know what, I'm, I'm not enjoying this anymore. Was that- yeah, I'd love to say there was a big glamorous or not glamorous, but horrifying rock bottom. And I think perhaps maybe I bumped along it for years without quite realising, because I don't think anybody does realise, oh my God, you know what, I've forgotten something on my shopping list and I've got a problem with alcohol. Nobody thinks they have a problem with alcohol because the stereotype there is of somebody who's a mile away from where you are, probably a middle-aged man with a huge red nose, perhaps sitting on a park bench, perhaps drinking some beer that you've only ever read about in newspapers. It's definitely not you. It took me a good 10 years longer than it probably should have done to be like, you know what, Kat, wind your neck in. You don't need to drink anymore and find some way of exploring these feelings that mean you feel the need to absolutely massively go for it when you're doing anything. I think it was quite telling for me as well that I really made a concerted effort to stop drinking in work situations. I very, very rarely drank at like trips to the pub or events. I didn't feel like I could let go. And Mm. for me, alcohol was a lot about letting go. It was a lot about not necessarily relaxing. It was almost like a Jean Grey as Dark Phoenix way of just letting concentrated power out into the world, usually in an environment where everybody would be out of it enough they wouldn't notice. So when I, I did stop drinking and I did did go and find a support group which was incredibly helpful because I just walked in and was just like oh my god you literally all look like people I would see in a bar and just being surrounded by people who I recognised even though I'd never seen any of them before but their stories that I recognised and that idea of listening to the similarities not the differences in the stories that people share is actually a tenet that I've taken into my own writing it's very much in this book about ADHD that I've got coming up because that was also something that I only discovered really about a year after I stopped drinking we should say that book is It's Not a Bloody Trend and it's out in... It's out on February the 1st, yeah. 2024 from all good and bad bookshops. Synergy, yes. Sorry, continue. <laughs> I found that first year of not drinking very easy in a way because I just put it down and didn't pick it up again. But then I realised that I found everything quite difficult without having that little soothing, blunting, blurring aid to social events. I mean, that's also not to say that I didn't drink because I really, really in- enjoyed the taste. And in fact, one of the things that I'd say to any number of therapists or treatments or whatever that I was having through the years was that I couldn't possibly stop drinking I really like the taste of wine and I absolutely did but you don't need to drink a lot of wine to enjoy the taste of wine you can appreciate it but I found that I would get quite panicky initially and I missed our friend's 40th. I missed one of my friend's engagement parties because I just had massive freakouts beforehand about what people would say if I wasn't drinking. Again it was never really about what other people would say because obviously I've been out with you endless times over the years you've been such a mega trooper as we've all sort of screeched 
drunkenly along at karaoke, certainly in my case, thinking that I'm the second coming of Hannah Waddingham. Hey, you're very good at karaoke, like just for the record, you genuinely are. It just took me quite a while to chill out about everything and then actually to be able to settle down and go, okay, what am I actually going to drink now? For the first couple of years that I stopped drinking alcohol, I just replaced it with black coffee. So I was like, must have a buzz, must have a buzz. Well, that's what I was going to ask is what what did you turn to as a substitute? And did it help if it was, this is wildly reductive, apologies, drink flavoured, the seed lippy type alcohol free gin-esque drinks or the 0% beers, things like that? Or was it a matter of just exploring wildly anything that came up? I was really interested by my response to some of these things, partly because I'd always found it impossible to get drunk on beer, partly because when I was in my 20s, beer uniformly was just disgusting. It was sort of Foster's, Carling, horrendous ale or something. So the the options weren't there. And so again, when I finally started investigating non-alcoholic beers, they've actually become a real staple of my drinking wardrobe now because I just don't have problematic associations with them. Spirits are more difficult. I would more rather just have tonic and maybe some bitters than the non-alcoholic spirits. I think that's also because they're so expensive and I understand why. I understand the amount of work that goes into them. But there is part of the sort of Scrooge-like drinker in me that is just like, well, I'm not going to pay 30 quid for something that isn't going to buzz me up, which is ridiculous and reductive thinking. But I'm only four years in. I'm sure I'll become like a Zen Dalai Lama type in 25 years. Anything too close to what I did really like drinking, I found quite difficult for a while. I now actually have got lots of fizzy non-booze that I absolutely love and which is complex and dry, thank goodness. doesn't just taste like you're being punched in the face by an apple. But for a long while, anything that was too similar to Prosecco, I'd love to say champagne, but obviously not the case, or wine or gin or those sorts of things, I just instantly felt a, a hint of the, the Jaws theme tune happening. Oh, like it, like it felt dangerous rather than... Yeah, comfort. which I just sort of took as a sign just to step away from. And actually, I know lots of people who stopped drinking alcohol in a not necessarily enforced way but have just realized it's their time to step aside and I think you do need to figure out what you feel comfortable around but at the same time there are so many brilliant things to explore and there are some that I perhaps feel overly protective of myself trying I have problems with the idea of drinks with CBD in them in case I get massively stoned or something which I completely know is just not the case with CBD drinks but I did have some CBD tea that I bought a couple of years ago and I swear to god that got me stoned and I was like I'm (laughs) I'm not, I'm not sure this is great for me at the moment. It's all just trying out and, and seeing what sticks, really. Yeah. And how about the ritual of it? Because this is something that's mm. kind of come up with a lot of people who previously drank and, and do no longer. Because there is a lot of ritual involved in drinks and there's a lot of extra add-on experiences like just cool bottle designs and cool beer cans, I guess, and the, if you're into craft beers. And just the clink and the glug-glug signs and all the different steps of it seem to be something that people need to find a replacement for as well. Like, it's not just a bottle of schlur. That's not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, really. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Don't get on with Schler. It's just sugary fruit. I mean, yes, but also it got me through my entire childhood. <laughs> so, you know. It's completely fair. The ritual thing is almost separate from the result. Certainly when I was drinking, I would... I think one of my absolute favourite rituals would be making like a stew or risotto or something whilst watching a cooking film, which is just anything that you don't really need brain cells to watch. I'd do that whilst drinking most of a bottle of red wine. And so I'd associate all of that with being lovely and relaxing. But it was really just that it was leading up to me drinking the wine and then sort of getting relaxed, but really just getting half cut. I do think what is really important is what you're drinking out of, how things are served I have real sensory dislike of thick rimmed cups or anything like that. I like them to be thin. And actually the beers that I have in my fridge now are now mostly bottled because I love drinking out of bottles. I'm sure it's very, very bad etiquette, but also I don't care. I'll just quite happily sit there with my bottle swigging I, away. I have a non-drinking friend for life who only drinks Coke out of a bottle. And oh, he will, given the choice, will always go for the Coke out of a bottle. And it, it's a different experience. One thing that I did really notice in terms of ritual was once I got through my black coffee phase I went to caffeine free diet coke because I found water quite boring Mm -hmm. again because I hadn't really got into that stage of therapy or exploring things where I was able to sort of figure out how to de-stress without something external but I did end up replacing my endless cans of caffeine free diet coke with a brand called feel good which is a flavored sparkling water that actually tastes of something I don't really like those insipid borderline flavourless things I may as well just have water which is fine and water in its place is the greatest drink in the world yeah but feel good has lots and lots and lots of flavour and so I was able to wean myself off my second booze replacement there it's probably wise to have more of a roster than you know exactly one thing you must have so is there anything that drives you nuts about non-drinking what 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 gets your goat I think I've probably picked this up from you Helen just as somebody who was in a lovely fog of booze for such a long time, it just didn't occur to me that you could look at a menu and be like, I don't, I don't want any of that. Now it's not really forgivable to get away with just presenting a load of Technicolor children's drinks to adults. I was looking actually at the drinks menu of a, a restaurant where I had a fantastic non-alcoholic drinks flight with a tasting menu a few years ago and it's just turned into things like oh like Shirley Temples and non-alcoholic tequila sunrises and it's like really is this is this the best you can do in the year of our lord 2023 anything so unimaginative like that anything where I just look at a soft drinks menu and it's bottles of Schweppes mixers those are not drinks those are half of actual drinks I want something that is whole I want something is delicious and ideally I want at least three different types of kombucha and shrubs and kefir and if it is just coke orangina tango well actually orangina Orangina would be quite exotic yeah Yeah, I'll take that out of my mouth (laughs) but like coke lemonade tango I'm just like oh my god I'm just I'm on a visit to the seaside in 1994 (laughs) so yeah that sort of lack of consideration lack of forethought that might often be that I've just stumbled into a French wine bar with some people as I did the other day in which case you know what that's fine I'll have a sparkling water I know this is not my place but in restaurants in in any other places no this is suboptimal and I'm I'm quite cross I'm suboptimized yeah 
do you have any hills you will die on in terms of non-drinking things that you have discovered and are now you know spreading the word about for example or oh yeah plenty of those but I think ultimately it's just the deep not resentful but the biggest truth of all is that everybody drinks non-alcoholic drinks like everybody whether we call them soft drinks non-alcoholic drinks or unbooze or non-booze or whatever anything from children's faves like milkshakes lemonades there are loads and loads and loads of times when we drink them and it's just thinking that we have to divide drinks options into either booze or water is just so reductive and actually also that it is so fun exploring the world of all these different flavors all these different places because so many people who are just massive nerds about it have got into this industry partly because it's fun and partly because there's a lot of money to be made not just from people like you and I but from generations coming up from sports people I am absolutely obsessed with the fact that former rugby star Johnny Wilkinson now owns a kefir company that is available to purchase on the menu at Pizza Express amazing like, if that isn't a broadening of options I don't know what is but they're fabulous things are definitely getting better um, any drinks that live rent-free in your head? Any particular standout moments? There was one amazing, I don't want to say mocktail because it wasn't a mocktail. I think mocktails are non-booze versions of existing cocktails, which is fine. But it was a non-alcoholic drink. I think it was cucumber and rosemary was the base. And rosemary is Ooh. such a good herb because it's so amazing. dry and weird. But what they'd done was they'd set fire to a sprig of rosemary and then blown it out and then popped that in the drink as a garnish. So when you put your nose in the glass, and it was a lovely piece of glassware, you just got that massive whiff of slightly murdered rosemary. And it was just brilliant. And it just really added depth to it. Also, I've just had some really, really amazing non-booze replacements on drinks flights. There was one at the Fat Duck that I went to with you to the Christmas dinner a few years ago. We were very fancy. Oh, very fancy. God, that was such a good evening. The brand was Lights. It was a German brand and it was called Eins Zero Sparkling Rosé. I don't normally like rosé, but it works really well in non-boozes. And I spent weeks trying to track it down and had to buy like a case of it from Ireland. But that was fantastic. I was on a trip to Copenhagen the other week and there was a brand called Van Narmen, who are a Rhineland-based gastro fruit company. And they made a terribly named drink called Juicy Tea. It had all the fizz of champagne in a really complex drink that was just juice and tea. It was fantastic. Duke's Cordialities is also amazing. They're quite based around apple cider vinegar, a really grown-up, sophisticated, layered way. And just a really good basic one, I think, is Nosecco, which is easily the best Prosecco alternative sparkly fizz if you want somebody to have a glass of something. Because actually now, I've, I don't know about you, but I find I can probably have about two non-booze drinks and then I'm, I'm sort of done. Yeah. Because otherwise it's basically just drinking water. This is one of my particular hobby horses, which we'll get to. But I, yeah, I don't necessarily need to have... 10, 15 drinks a night. I don't need to be keeping up with the Joneses because mm -hmm. ultimately like a glass of water is fine. Yeah, exactly. When I realised that I wasn't drinking for the buzz anymore or the fear of missing out or something, I was like, oh, God, yeah, water's really bloody filling. <laughs> well, I think that's all my questions for now. Hopefully that helped as a bit of an introduction to Kat. If you've got anything that you'd like to tell us about your thoughts on soft drinks, non-alcoholic drinks, whatever you call them, whatever you like, you can email us at popculturedrinkspodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at popculturedrinkspodcast. And uh, we'll see you soon, I think. See you soon. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. Warbyparker.com covered. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.